Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Thursday, July the 1st, 2021. On this edition of The Politocrat, six months in the books. What have you done in these last six months? And we're now closer to the end of the year than the beginning of it. What lies ahead for you in these next six months? That and a few other things to muse upon. Coming up next. Welcome back. I was so close to playing Diana Ross's song from Mahogany. You know the song, the film, and you know the film Mahogany, particularly if you are of a certain age. The song that goes, do you know what you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? <laughs> I can't sing it the way Diana Ross does, of course, but you know the song. And I say that and sing that or try to sing it, however pathetically I just rented it, <laughs> to illustrate that you and I are now in the second half of the year. We are at the beginning of the second half of 2021. And what happened to those first six months of the year? What happened to those first six months? Half the year has gone. <laughs> what? And that's what I wanted to talk about on this episode because, as you may know, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, and by the way, I want to emphasize thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world to me that you do listen because, you know, you could be doing other things that are much more fruitful and <laughs> enterprising and enjoyable than listening to yours truly, but thank you for doing so. Um, that's, the, that's the ultimate compliment, right? As I've said before, it's not necessary for people if they don't want to. Look, we all like praise, don't get me wrong. We all want to be praised in some way. and We all love praise. I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be that kind of a person who is holier than thou Hey, I'm above it all. No, that's not yours truly. But the fact that you listen to this podcast on a daily basis is the compliment. That's the compliment, right? I don't have to have people get in touch with this podcast via email or any other means and say, hey, that's really a pre... Although I've had that happen, but it's just... The, the ultimate compliment is that people do tune in to you and listen to you. And it doesn't mean that you're this, you know, better than anybody else. It just means that there are some people in the world who do listen to you for whatever reason. Well, they obviously must um, think that you make half decent sense at times. But I just want to say thank you. And I'm going to do, as I have done, periodically, a appreciation giveaway to say thank you to those of you who listen. And of course, um, that's going to be coming up at some point 
um, in the next little while. I've got another couple of giveaways going on as well coming up soon because uh, we are in the summer now. I'm going to give away another book. I've already given away a couple of books so far. Um, the Juneteenth book giveaway and I gave away um, in another book since then. And um, I'm going to be doing another one. And it's going to be a summer book giveaway. And it's going to be a different book this time. And then on the other podcast that I do called Yawns, I've talked about that very briefly here. Uh, I'm doing a giveaway there as well. So there's going to be lots of giveaways between this podcast that you listen to and the other podcast that I do, which is focused on Watford Football Club specifically um, and squarely. Uh, There'll be loads of giveaways coming from yours truly this summer, uh, during this summer. You will absolutely love it. And I've got some some things lined up for you that you will love. And And all you have to do is just either follow, retweet or like the tweets or the uh, uh, videos and whatnot that I do um, and you are in with a shot at getting some free merchandise some free other giveaways and plus don't forget this is all be and I'm not even talking about the Politocrat Daily Podcast online store which of course you can purchase any anything from there any time of the day or night but I'm talking about F-R-E-E free stuff as they call it as the right wing calls it but as the left wing might call it as it's free of charge. And there's no strings or hooks attached. Thank goodness. So, uh, you know, all of that is to say thank you very much for listening. And I get back to this conversation, or this monologue, that this particular episode will kind of touch on, which is the real issue, is the first six months of the year. Where the hell did they go? Now, for some of you, that will not be the question that you'll be asking The question that some of you may be asking is, what the hell took so long to get to July 1st? So for some of you, it may well be that this year is torturously long or that this year has been painful or that this year has been arduous or that this year has been like a roller coaster ride. It all depends on what has happened to you in the first six months, the first half of 2021. Now, if you look at the year so far, the first half has gone by. We are now at July 1st. If you look at the first six months, how would you characterize those months, whether it's in the news or in your own life? Would you characterize them as good year, a good six months, a horrendous six months, a so-so six months? a better and promising six months? How would you characterize it? I'm going to put this on Twitter. By the time this episode gets released, you will have, some of you will have consulted Twitter, Twitter, um, with the at the popcorn R-E-E-L account, which is yours truly. And I'm going to post that uh, and you'll see it. How would you characterize these first six months of 2021? Oh my gosh, there's so many stories you can tell, you know? Whether it's going, counting backwards from just a few days ago now, about a week ago now, you know, right near the end of the month of June, we had, here in the United States at least, we had that horrible building collapse. Now, buildings collapse every day in the United States, but of course, some get more attention than others. And because this was a very rich or owned by people, the condos there by people who could obviously afford them, that was going to get a lot more attention. And also because of the 
amount of life that was lost because that still continues. You know, it's up to, I think, 14 or 15 or 18 people now, whatever it is, and nearly 200 plus still missing and feared dead. I mean, this is a very serious thing. I do not want to. And I apologize for sounding as if I'm minimizing it. But so I apologize unreservedly because I don't want it to even appear like that. And I actually just think that it did appear like that. But if you count backwards just a few days ago from what we heard in that story here in the United States and then count backward to the sixth day of the year, January the 6th of this year, 2021, then you'd say, my gosh, we've been stuck in hell for at least the first six months of this year, not to mention the many generations before that. But we've been stuck in hell, have we or have we not to you? January 6th was a horrible day um, in terms of what happened to the United States. It was a terrorist attack on the country. And I have said this many times, dear listener. I don't care what anybody says. This was an attack on the country. It wasn't only an attack on the Capitol building. Granted, that's where all of this terrorism took place and this violence took place. Don't get me wrong. And you had police officers getting killed and murdered and you had two or three of them uh, two or three other police ending, taking their own lives. You had a woman who was a Trump supporter getting killed because she um, was trying to get into the chamber and she was warned not to. And then um, one of the Capitol Police or one of the uh, chamber police shot her and killed her. And then you had this other stuff going on. Then you had people smearing crap all over the walls, smearing it in offices ransacking off ransacking offices stealing uh speaker pelosi's laptop i mean it it just got worse and worse and this was an attack not only on those lawmakers it was an attack on all of us but you know it was never framed that way really in the certainly not in the press and definitely not by the politicians you know and it's attack on democracy well it's a bit more than that folks because and i remember chuck schumer said that so did uh Mitch McConnell, who was actually still the minor- the majority leader for about another two and a half more weeks. So it's incredible. And, oh, this is an attack on our democracy. But what he doesn't realize, or what he doesn't realize, at least in one instance, is, is that there really ain't any democracy here in the United States, except for if you are a rich white male property owner. Then your rights have been untouched by human hands. You don't have to worry about not being able to vote. You don't have to worry about having to stand in the line for 17 or 18 hours. You don't have to worry about, well, can I have some water while I'm waiting? Because you don't have to have any waiting time and you don't have to have any water. Unless you're swimming in it in your backyard pool. But what I'm talking about here is... Mitch McConnell doesn't realize. One thing he realizes is that there's no democracy for anybody else. And the second thing he pretends not to realize, but does realize, I guess, is that, hey, he is trampling all over 1-6 commission, January 6th commission. He's trampling all over voting rights and For the People Act. He doesn't want to support any of that. He's not supporting it. Not even debates on who should the bipartisan commission be. These guys 
and ladies are not even pretending anymore. And they showed that over the first six months of this year. So for anybody who somehow thinks, oh no, it's just a phase. These cuddly little Republicans, uh, they're just teddy bears. They're not going to trouble us. They're here to read us a lullaby. Rockabye baby, yeah, yeah, on the treetop. Mm-hmm. When the wind blows, we'll break your country up. I mean, well, I didn't know. That doesn't rhyme, of course. But the Republicans don't rhyme, except with the word treason. Oh, and the word racism and misogyny and uh, uh, fascism. Murder, criminality. Oh, yeah, I think that's what the word Republican rhymes with. But, yeah, we're expecting them to be teddy bears, right? (laughs) I mean, they don't want bipartisanship. And I think... On a political level, if you live here in the United States, hopefully the first six months of this year, 2021, taught you that the Republicans are not interested in bipartisan anything. I mean, give me a break. These people are not even interested in, in anything to do with bipartisan anything. It's all a lie. And if these past six months taught us anything, it was that the Republicans are a criminal syndicate. But many of us knew that for many years before these last six months. So that's one thing. I mean, as I asked this question about um, how you would evaluate, evaluate these first six months of 2021, gosh, I would say it is definitely fair to middling but also dire at the same time. Can you actually have that as a choice? I'm not going to, don't think I'm going to do that as a choice on the poll on Twitter, but the fair to middling part, I guess, is the election of Joe Biden. He's been pretty decent so far in some areas, but he's been middling in a whole lot of others and downright muted on some things that really matter to people like yours truly and to others like yours truly. And Joe Biden, while he has done some decent things, I'd say so far, has really been very MIA, missing in action, on some of the other things that really need to have action done. I was almost going to break out into an Alicia Bridges song. I love the nightlife. I like to boogie. I've got to boogie uh, on the disco round. Nah, I'm not going to sing it. Because they already botched up uh, Diana Ross's song from Mahogany. But this is what, we've, what we're dealing with here. So these first six months, how would you evaluate them? I don't, you know, for me, as I said, it's fair to middling in terms of the news. But also going backwards fast. We're going, we're regressing. I think this is one of the most dangerous periods of history. Because... There is amongst some, I dare say, this feeling of ah, satisfaction and contentment because people are, I believe, in my own humble opinion, people are just kind of, I get this feeling at least, and I don't watch the corporate news media in general, except for Sky News, which is UK corporate news media. But I just get this feeling that people are just glad to be alive which is good. I'm glad to be alive too. 
I'm just getting the feeling that people are settling for, oh, this is Joe Biden, this is this, this is that. But we're living in this period of, I think, false, I don't know what. Because I think we're content, some of us, with Biden and we're doing this and we're doing that. But the danger is lurking around us and around him. And I said this before. It's as if both Vice President Harris and President Biden are standing on an awfully small island. Just enough circumference for their shoes. Seriously. It's literally that small. That's what I think. I think that they're... Standing on power is really, 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 really delicate in the minute. And literally, if you had to evaluate the circumference of the island that they stand on amidst these snapping and, you know, grotesque Republicans snapping at their heels like snapping away in a primordial swamp, I think the circumference of that island is extremely small. We're talking literally enough of a circle to to take care of their feet. It's really small. And there is a small window of power before I think these Republicans are going to get back in. I hope I'm wrong. And I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I'd like to think so. But the Democratic Party messages the centrist wing have proven time and time again that they are the best ushers into power of these Republicans with their weak, phony, toothless messaging. And they're taking for granted of black and brown communities, particularly black communities. Oh, they'll come to us anyway. And there is this arrogance in the Beltway and this arrogance in certain areas and you've got these 22-year-old white boys and girls, many of them mostly boys, who are thinking that they know better than anyone else does about black voters and that they just don't even have to go and really meet them and that Canada just has to do remotes and do this and get on black networks and just go on black radio and be done and never have to shake a single black hand. But no, it doesn't work like that, as Doug Jones knows very well. So, I mean, there's the political bent. There's the, of the first six months. There's obviously, of course, the personal bent. What's, you know, how has it been personally for you these last six months, this first six months of 2021? Many of you may not be wearing masks anymore, which is not a good thing if that does apply to you, if it does. And many of you may or may not be vaccinated fully. And that would be a good thing if you are fully vaccinated. So there are the ups and downs, you know, and then what, you know, not to mention what's going on in your personal, personal life. So, you know, that's something to kind of mull over. Have you given thought to these first six months of the year in your own personal life? Have you evaluated where you are and where you began 2021 and where the first half of 2021 ended, which was, of course, yesterday, June the 30th. Have you had any time or will you take any time to take stock or to evaluate or to think about 
in your mental Rolodex the last six months, or I should say better known as the first six months of 2021. Because in my estimation, the first six months have gone astonishingly quickly. It really has. Well, maybe it's because I'm getting older. Welcome back. So what lessons have you learned over these first six months, if at all? I I don't know. I think for me, I have to say that the lesson learned is to stay vigilant, to stay focused on what's going on locally all around you and what's going on Obviously, nationally, which is pretty easy because the focus of a lot of the cable news networks in the United States is the national focus. It's not locally predicated. You have to go to your local news for that. And the only way that the issues are locally focused is when there is some event locally that happens, such as some mass shooting in your town, God forbid. And then the national news media will cover that all day, every day, like it's a national story, even though it is local. But quite frankly, it truly is national because in the United States, that's all we do every day is shoot and kill people. We do it more than anybody else and anyone else in the world and possibly combined because it's that bad and has been for so many generations. So I don't know. I mean, the lesson is to stay focused and vigilant. I think that's the lesson I've learned and that you cannot take anything for granted in this life and in this world because it can be taken from you in an instant. It really can, you know. And I think the thing that looking back over these last six months or the first six months of this year, one of the things that reminds you of that or reminds me of that is Christian Erickson. You know, I mean, again, there are people every day in the world who collapse like he did, but not on a football pitch, but certainly somewhere, if not playing a, a sport or running or whatever it might be. Um, it might be literally at home. It might be at the workplace. It might whatever. And, and they collapse and they never make it. They die. I mean, this happened to Tim Russett, by the way. The Tim Russett, who used to be the managing editor of NBC News. Of course, you know him well. He was the Washington, D.C. bureau chief at NBC. You remember him very well, of course, on Meet the Press, which he was so able and ably, uh, brilliantly done. He, he was excellent on that. Um, asked asked the tough questions. You know who Tim And then one day he was working out and while he was working out, he collapsed of a heart attack. In the newsrooms, or or at least he was in the newsroom and he was doing some auditions, or he, and he collapsed and died. So, you know, Christian Erickson, um, fortunately, was able to, because he's a professional athlete, because he is a, a member of the privileged class of being a professional athlete who, who is comfortably financially well off and is someone who also, <coughs> excuse me, is a white male it also helps in a racist society to um, be in that position. Although I, I dare say a black footballer would have got the same treatment. Although I can also say there have been some black footballers who've collapsed on the football field and died. 
then there have been some black footballers who have collapsed on the football field and then luckily have been revived. Fabrice, Fabrice uh, Mwamba, I remember most recently, he of Fulham Football Club, which is now in the English, who are now in the English Championship, which is the tier of football below the Premier League. And he collapsed on the field against Tottenham Hotspur. I remember that was about 10 years ago or so, or whatever it was, less than 10. And he then retired from football. And he had, a, I think it was a regular heartbeat. He had some issue with his heart, could have had a cardiac arrest, whatever. Uh, obviously was that. And, and he never played football again, to the best of my memory. But you see, everybody doesn't have those kinds of fortune stories where they are able to live to tell the tale. Like a Fabrice Mwamba. I believe that's his name, like a Christian Eriksen, who, who was actually legally dead. He was actually dead for about three minutes before he was revived on the first defib. I mean, how do you get a revival on a first defibrillator? I guarantee you, if he were not healthy in the sense that he has good conditioning, that could have been a lot hairier. And by the way, there were people, medical professionals, as is, their want and as is the requirement in these sports, particularly in football, to be pitch side. And they were pitch side. So literally from the time he collapsed that uh, on the pitch there, Christian Eriksen last month at the Euros tournament, which will continue on uh, on Friday, July the 2nd, from the time he collapsed to the time he was revived, he literally, it was literally about four minutes passed by. And literally... That was exactly the amount of time that really could not really be extended anymore. Because if you go more than four or five minutes without your heart, with your heart stopped, you're going to die. I mean, I hate to be so blunt and brutal and cold about it. But my goodness gracious me, that is what happens to us. And, you know, I don't want to go there. I'm not going to. I've already pushed that envelope way too hard. But it's a reality that we, I think we have to, and I alluded to this in an episode a week or two back, you know, we have to start talking about this with our loved ones because this is going to come to all of us. It's like I said before, I talked about that Pet Shop Boys song, Love Comes Quickly. And I just changed the word love to, you know, death, you know, or life comes quickly, you know, and six months have gone by. They have absolutely gone by. Let me just try to transition away from that territory. Uh, but that was the reason I transitioned over to it in the beginning is because I started this blog by saying, well, what lessons have you learned from these first six months of 2021? And, and my answer was, well, to stay vigilant, you know, stay focused. And one of the things I've been telling people who are regular listeners of this podcast, and perhaps you are one of them, that it is imperative for you to go and get a checkup. Please. I've been saying this pretty much all year long, or at least certainly the last three months of uh, so far of this first half of the year that's just passed. I've been urging people, please get checked, please, and make sure you are fully vaccinated and make sure that you also wear a mask. Believe me, Um, you've got to do those things. So I hope that people do take heed of that and do it. Um, Life is indeed so fragile. I mean, just to ask the people at that um, surfside condo complex, just ask them. I bet none of them thought that their lives were going to end like that. You know, 
We had an earthquake here in San Francisco just two or three days ago, and it was a scary one, relatively speaking. And I'm a veteran of these earthquakes, but when that particular one on Monday, was it, I think, started shaking and a bacon, and it was only a 3.9, but it felt like it was 4.5. And the difference between a 3.9 and a 4.5 is, believe it or not, quite substantial. And the difference between a 4.5 and a 4.8 is quite substantial as well. So when it went on for about seven or eight seconds, I'm like, whoa, I'm just waiting for this freaking thing to fall. You know, I'm for... So again, it's like life. Life is fleeting. We're seeing a, uh, an increase in crime all over the country, certainly here in San Francisco. And it doesn't matter the neighborhood here. It's in, it, crime is up everywhere. Same thing in New York City. You heard about those tourists that got shot. You, you saw that video. That's another thing that just will stay with me for the balance of this whole year now. In the second half of the year, at least, certainly it did in the first, just a week or so ago, that guy in New York who was shooting at, I guess, the mother, excuse me, the father of these two kids. And the two kids were there trying to cover and comfort him. And this guy with a gun, I don't know what kind of gun it was, I don't really care was popping and dancing in between the kids and firing at their dad or their friend, whomever it was, while he was lying on the ground. And I think he did kill him. I mean, this is just... Yeah, so stuff like this. And those kids survived. He didn't kill the kids. He just shot and danced in between them as they jinked back and forth to try to cover their dad or whomever that was. And forgive me, I don't remember the exact specifics. But this video of this... It's just that kind of stuff that we just have to be mindful of and we are more than mindful of it. And so, again, my whole thing is what did I take out of these first six months? I definitely take out that we've got to be more vigilant and we've got to, and I alluded to this earlier, stop falling into this sense of comfort with the leaders that we have. Whether that's city, whether that's local, municipal, whether that is state, whether that is federal, whether that's in the White House. We have got to stop being comfortable and we've got to keep pushing for the things that we deserve and that we should have and that our children should have and our children's children should have. Why do you think that people like Vanessa Nakate and Greta Thunberg are climate activists and climate warriors. Why do you think they're doing it? And it's not only the two of them, there's there are numerous others. Why do you think they are? Well, they are of a generation that's going to be saddled with all this shit in the next 20 to 30 years, if, if that. They're going to be the ones saddled with this in their 40s as they hit 50, as they hit 45. They're going to be the ones, in fact, it's going to, like I said, alluded to, it's it's going to come earlier than that. And then most of the rest of us will have pissed off to the nether, to the uh, to the afterworld or to the never world or to six feet under or whatever your perspective is of what happens to you after you leave this earth. And we leave it to the younger generation to sort out. And we've done, I've said this before, We've done a poor job of fighting for some of the things that matter. We've done a good job in some respects, but we've done a real piss poor one in others. And that's why you do get an angry Greta Thunberg, and rightly so, after um, 
you know, talking about these world leaders at the uh, Schwarzenegger's summit in Austria. I guess it was his climate summit there, or he was a, a guest there. And she, 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 Greta Thunberg, would have none of it. She was hearing none of it. These leaders, they're liars. They look at you, you look at their faces and see their... And she's upset, understandably. She wasn't the only one upset. But she's absolutely right. And there's a reason. Because, again, you know, prior generations have failed with climate, with all these other things. There have been some breakthroughs, don't get me wrong, in other areas, but we've not done enough when it comes to combating global warming. We've not done enough. And we need to do enough. We need to do more than enough. So, again, that's my lesson of I've learned uh, being vigilant, and not that I didn't realize that before, but being more vigilant. Because I think these times, and I was trying to get this point before, are extremely dangerous. Because there's this false sense of comfort. Oh, Joe Biden's in the White House. Oh, Vice President Harris is in the White House. Oh, we've got a majority in the Senate, which is very tenuous. Oh, we still got the House, which is very tenuous. And then you've got this idiot that the media loves to continue to cover, even though he's no longer in the White House. You know who he is. And you can can have official after official in handcuffs, in court, and yet they they still talk about the other guy. And it's just pathetic. It is absolutely them feeding the beast and starving it at the same time. It's, they just so, they want this guy, they, they meaning the corporate news media in the United States, they want this guy back on the scene so bad. Honestly, they uh, that's my view. I think they want him in there so bad because it's ratings. I know the cynical take. I know it's because of ratings. It's because of this. It's because of that. They can cover something. These guys are too boring. See, when you've got people saying these guys are too boring, I know I just said it. But when you say you hear people saying those kinds of things, if they are saying them, that means they are the ones who are bored. And bored to tears, and they are boring people because they've probably got an ocean of money that they're sleeping on, and they don't know what to do, so they're going to just donate it to the toxic um, wanker that left back in January, left before sunrise. I mean, imagine that. That is the most cowardly thing. You leave on Marine One, and the sun has not even come up really yet. That is that shows you. He did a total runner. He didn't have the decency, right? Well, why would he have the decency? He's not decent. He is an indecent person. But again, the lesson is, for me at least, do not take your foot off the gas and keep yourself sharp and aware of what's going on. Because I'm telling you, I think this year is going to be the final six months of this year, and we're already into them now. I think you're going to be pretty damn bumpy. And I think that this is going to continue into 2022. Now, look, I'm no soothsayer. I may get an occasional sports prediction correct. (laughs) But I am saying, dear listener, that we should not be complacent in this moment. We should not be complacent in this moment. And so as you, dear listener, think about what you're going to be doing for the next six months And as you, dear listener, think about what you've done and accomplished in the first six and how these first six months have treated you, I also want you to consider what else we have to do. 
And one of those things is educate other people about voting. Educate other people about what's going on on the political landscape. And I mean when it comes to voting. I'm not necessarily talking about all these politicians. I'm talking the first step has to be a a full-scale education of voters about voting. That's what's got to happen next, dear listener. And if that happens next, it's a good start. Because we've got to start now by educating people. And let's not wait till next year. Because that's only something that losing sports teams do and say. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.